done one of these podcasts for a couple of weeks now. Uh, Rantcast not appearing in everyone's iTunes crisis. We forgot that. It's it's certainly a crisis. Um, uh, a crisis connect- of just too much football to watch on the TV. It's also connected to, to the uh, United Rant website hosting crisis. Uh, of which um, it's a... Uh, we just got fired hosting.com crisis. <laughs> Who do we want to advise all our listeners never to have a website hosted by then? Uh, I can't even remember them. They're so bad. I'm now with Tiger Tech, who also right. host uh, Republican Mancunia and Soccer Lens and Red Rants. So there you go. It's a football blog community. Excellent. Uh, but yeah, all, all back and live and uh, shouldn't be having any more... Um, I'd love to say it was to do with our immense popularity, but actually it wasn't. It was the Twitter feed that was uh, causing the problem. It's unfortunate. Um, so, Ed, it's nice of you to join um, me and the, the Rantcast listeners um, before tonight's game when I understand you're playing at centre-half. I, I, I put my name into the ring. I said, hey, I played centre-half at school. I was, you know... I wasn't very good, but uh, hey, uh, I'm a centre half, so there you go. Yeah, you've got you've got your own replica kit, right? You could have you could have done you could have worn that. Yeah, I've got Rio on the back. Um, I'm hoping they <laughs> won't tell the difference. What you really want, of course, is like the collar up Cantona strings, you know, strings in the neck kit with Pallister on the back. That's what you want. You know what? They should have just called up Eric. He could play at centre half. No of problem. Of course he could. I've seen him doing beach football. So I don't like to gloat about these things, but we, uh, especially when they're kind of somewhat disastrous and not good for anyone, but we entirely predicted that this would happen on, I think, episode one or two of Rantcast. Oh, what a massive injury crisis for United. Yeah, just the the fact that our defend, our... We've got serious, serious problems getting four defenders on the pitch every week this year. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. There's, um, I I don't suppose anyone really predicted that Johnny Evans would have so many problems with his ankle, Um, and John O'Shea's not really been prone to injuries, but uh, yeah, Rio certainly has been. And uh, Gary Neville spent more time in the treatment room than on the pitch over the last few years. The De Silva brothers definitely seem to be. um, Well, they just seem to. They seem to get the same injury. So. Uh, Fabio had a dislocated shoulder. Raphael had a dislocated <laughs> shoulder. Fabio's got a groin injury. Raphael's got a groin injury. I wonder if they're swapping shoulders <laughs> and legs as well, just to mirror each other a little bit. It's possible. Yeah, really, really, so, really odd. So Michael Carrick and Patrice Everett at centre half tonight, then against Wolfsburg. Uh, yeah, well, I was speaking to someone uh, earlier today who uh, who had a chat to Patrice and. Uh, it's uh, it's a case of over his dead body will he be playing centre half? We we may do. Uh, <laughs> word on the street is Ferguson's trying to persuade him to do it, but I don't blame it. It's five foot nothing. Patrice Evra versus six foot nine and a half. Eden Zeko. Uh, it's not exactly a fair contest. I think he should just like Ferguson. Just he doesn't need to put any defenders out. It's like Championship manager, right? When you have a really bad injury crisis, just leave a hole there and just play another centre forward. Because we're going to concede so many goals tonight anyway. We just need to get as many players who can score goals on the pitch as possible. Well, the the 2-7-1 formation worked fine at West Ham in the second half. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Tactical genius. Well, so long as we get that many penalties, we'll be fine. Yeah, right. Um, uh, In in reality, it looks like it's going to be something along the lines of... uh, Park, Fletcher, Carrick, Evra. Uh, and we're not quite sure in which positions each of them will play. If Evra plays inside, Park may play on at left back. Pretty strange. Um, there's some talk of um, of uh, Darren Gibson playing in the centre half slot as well because he's actually done that at schoolboy level. Right. Um, but uh, who knows? Uh, basically, it's going to be three def- 
three midfielders plus Patrice Everett plus the second choice goalkeeper um, and a whole bunch of other midfielders too will probably have eight midfielders on the pitch uh, because Michael Owen will be playing up front on his own. Uh, when you say uh, second choice goalkeepers, you are of course referring to Thomas Kushak now, who seems to be firmly established as the number two. I, I, safe hands. Hey, he had a he had a good game at West Ham. He had a very good game at Portsmouth. Um, he, he's the man in possession of the shirt at the moment. Uh, we should have Van der Sar back for the Villa game, and and he'll certainly take over. Uh, but hey, Cusack's been good. You you can't fault um, his last performance. It's it's good and. Uh, Foster, I'm afraid, led in a really messy goal last time he played and, and has generally not looked good this season. So at the moment, uh, he's third choice and um, doesn't look like he'll get a chance for a lone spot either. That's probably going to kill his World Cup hopes. Um, I mean, I have to say his performances in the first third of the season should probably have effectively killed his World Cup hopes. If that's the best goalkeeper that England can put out there, going to struggle to... Uh, win the World Cup, which the draw has also has almost guaranteed them if you pay any attention to the English tabloids. So um, I guess uh, we, we mini-preview of uh, tonight's game versus Wolfsburg there. Uh, clearly, uh, it's, it's a tough game in any you know, any scenario, but with so many uh, injury, I think 13 people on the injury list at the moment, um, uh, Yeah, it wouldn't even be a nearly a first-choice side, even if they weren't all defenders. Uh, so it's a tough game, and United need a point. And, and we can go back to the Besiktas game at home now, and and have a think about whether uh, playing a reserve side in that game, when we really needed a point to qualify, was uh, was the sensible thing to do. Well, it's interesting because that that self same reserve side then absolutely trounced Tottenham's first team um, a few you know a week afterwards. Maybe it should have worked. Maybe it was just you know they just kind of had an off day, or maybe it is that thing of European football being just just a more complicated cagey affair and thus requiring kind of more experience more calm heads all that well, sort of thing Ferguson talked about it post the Besiktas game and I guess we haven't had a, a chance to talk about that one but um, he, he talked about uh, the lack of experience he talked about some of the younger players panicking uh, when they went a goal down um, so maybe that's true and then uh, to come on to Tottenham, uh, of course they were they were excellent, a really good performance. I thought um, um, uh, Darren Gibson. Is that odd? He he hasn't entirely convinced me because I don't think he was that great in that game. I don't think he was that great against West Ham, but he scored three goals in a week and uh, you know a couple of crackers in there too. And he'd be really proud of his work. It's interesting because at half time in the Tottenham game, uh, the United rant feed at least. I don't know if it was you or or Brett. Uh, tweeted Darren Gibson just not looking not looking up up to being a United player um, but he does he sure scores goals like a United player I mean he was compared by Hansen to Scholes um, on match of the day um, and I just think it's not he's not anywhere near yet proving that he's his all round contribution will be anything like Paul Scholes's but yeah you can't argue with them goals can you no, he doesn't get ahead of the ball as uh, in the way that Paul Scholes did when he was younger. So um, I, I'm not sure he really plays like Paul Scholes. He's he's more of a halfway house between a a defensive midfield type player and, a, and an attacking offensive player. Um, but yeah, he's got a great shot on him, great, loads of power, um, and it's not the first time he's done it. He uh, he's got a um, 35 yarder against Hull last day of the season last year as well. It's interesting that the whole thing about you know. 
players coming through the youth system at United because they, you just always hope, don't you? You always hope that you're going to get a, a Beckham or a Scholes or a Giggs or you know. And and it, it's not clear to to me yet, certainly whether Darren Gibson's one of them. I I I suspect not. But then again, if you'd asked me two or three years ago where Darren Fletcher would be in his career, I, I wouldn't absolutely. have thought he'd be at the club. No, absolutely. And I, I, as I believe it or not, while I was at work, I was thinking that exact thing. I was having a little conversation with myself in my head where someone came up to me and said, oh, Darren Gibson looks like a good player, doesn't he? And I was thinking, hey, I'm not sure. And then I, I thought exactly that Manchester United's most important. Uh, well, I guess we should change it probably to Manchester United's most important right back, Darren Fletcher. But, you know. He's he's come a long way, hasn't he? And and maybe Gibson will follow that sort of path. Yeah. Uh, although if you're talking to yourself at work, I would I would say probably you need to take your meds. Not right? out loud. It's worrying, worrying signs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see with Gibson. The, the problem is he's 22 and he's he's had barely any experience. And and with Carrick, Fletcher, Scholes, Anderson, Giggs ahead of him in the pecking order for a central midfield spot. It's it's still going to be tough for him to get a lot of games. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, for sure. Um although Skulls is talking about retiring at the end of this season. I it would be a real shame, wouldn't it? Look, he doesn't play as often as he has in the past and and his performances have become more inconsistent, I think. I and mean, clearly he doesn't score the goals of yesteryear. Um but there just seem to have been some games when he, he's just really been off the ball. But he's, he can still produce magic. He was great against West Ham on Saturday. He Absolutely. he was given loads of time and space, and that really does help. Um, when when uh, teams are not prepared to um, press in midfield, then uh, then yeah, Paul Scholes has a has a great time still. He just doesn't have the legs when he's up against uh, much younger, fitter players. But yes, yeah, so um, we've this has been a very long rambling preview of the Wolfsburg game. Suffice to say, I think it's going to be seven five to Man United the final score. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Wolfsburg are all attack and and no defence, and we're quite literally all attack and no defence. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so um, uh, we we talked a little bit about uh, United against West Ham on Saturday. Of course, we haven't spoken about the United Portsmouth game either. And I oh, thought... that was the one with all the penalties. That, that was just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, the one given against Vidic, I think he breathed on the uh, Portsmouth player, you know, slightly the wrong way. Maybe he looked at him the wrong way, but uh, the penalty was given. I thought it was incredibly harsh, given what normally happens in a in a penalty area. If you're going to give that one, you you probably have to give about six or seven in the game. Um, but uh, great second half performance again. Uh, yeah, and same against West Ham. I, I think of. Uh, I think United scored something like 35 goals in the Premier League, give or take a few. And uh, the vast majority of them have been in the second half. Something about our team this year means that we score a lot of late goals and a lot of goals in the second half. What what do you put that down to? Persistence, uh, fitness, maybe. Maybe it's the Ronaldo factor. We don't have the flat track bully anymore who you know, gets in there and gets straight at the other side. Maybe we're a bit more you know, careful in possession. It's interesting. It, 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 it is definitely kind of a, a fairly consistent pattern now, and I do wonder if it if it is that it's just taking us a bit longer to open teams up, which is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's uh, that's not necessarily a crisis, but you know, just the, the the fact that our first half performances have 
we just haven't looked on it and I wonder if it's it's some sort of combination of confidence and instability in the team or, or if it is just the sort of more positive qualities the persistence and the and the fitness because that's a hell of a combination right if you if you kind of wear down a weaker opposition and and you know it it'll be interesting to see whether we can pull a sort of somewhat of a miracle out of the fire tonight and and end up winning the group or if um or anyway, if we come second, it, 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 that's not necessarily going to prove disastrous, you know, because there is there's an awful lot of luck of the draw ahead of us now, isn't there? There's some really high quality teams. Uh, I suppose the one that Ferguson would like to avoid is Barcelona. It, it, that's still up in the air, but it does kind of look like Barcelona will win their group, and it'll be between Inter and Ruben Kazan for second place. Um, So uh, if United do lose tonight, we probably wouldn't like uh, Barcelona. But of the rest, uh, Milan, Juve, Real Madrid, uh, they're all much of muchness. There's a lot of good sides in there. We're not going to get an easy draw. Um, There's a a decent chance that both Milan and Juve will finish in second place in their groups as well. Yeah, so there you go. Um, It's not not impossible that Madrid will finish in second place in their group either. it's, It's not impossible, no. Um, Talking of uh, Madrid briefly, um, I'm just going to blatantly steal from the Guardian Football Podcast again. Um, Sid Lowe was talking about Ronaldo not celebrating um, the goal that Benzema scored when Ronaldo missed the penalty. Uh, Ronaldo then celebrated the goal that he scored to make it uh, 4-3. No, sorry, 4-2 by taking off his shirt and getting himself booked, which then led to him getting sent off because he did a second bookable offence. And basically just took off his shirt to show off his incredible abs. So there's a, there's a few rumblings in Real Madrid that people are not people are not altogether happy with uh, Cristiano's um, somewhat self-centred approach to life. And I, I can't believe that anyone's been surprised by this. And that's that's Cristiano wrapped up in a in a in a microcosm, isn't it? I, yeah. I mean, you know, no one no one cares if I rip off my shirt and show off my incredible abs. But um, <laughs> Cristiano does it on the pitch. It was I I just thought it was pretty boneheaded uh, his behaviour and very selfish. I mean, it, it was incredible. So he's going to sulk because he missed a penalty, even though his side scored. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, I think we we saw this at United, and it got worse and worse. Um, he was always apt, even from the early days, to go off and dance in front of the fans and not go to his teammates. He even went off and celebrated on his own if he provided the pass for someone to score. And th- there was always that trait within uh, his his game, and I think it was kind of exaggerated in, in the Real Madrid game at the weekend. Yeah, and, and I think that if you've got a kind of bit of a problem with narcissism and ego that massive move to Real Madrid and the incredible presentation of you to the public of Madrid and the 80,000 people in the stadium, it's not going to do anything to kind of lessen the size of your head, is it? So um, I guess one of the other things that I wanted to talk about this week... Um, I just, I'm just going to stop you there, Ed, and say the phrase you're looking for is talking of things that are pretty massive, Manchester United's debt seems to be a bit of a problem. <laughs> much much better segue um yeah uh well maybe who who knows uh, of course this is the story that united pulled out of um a 10 million pound uh sorry 10 million euros actually about the same about the same at the moment 10 million euro deal for uh, adam Lajic, uh the partisan belgrade as hacking midfielder who uh who 
who United had a, apparently had an option to buy uh, as part of a joint deal with uh, Zoran Tosic, the uh, United Serbian left winger. So Lajic uh, is, uh, I believe, 17, uh, star of the uh, Serbian under-21 side at the moment. He scored a number of goals for Partizan. Rave reviews. Ferguson uh, talking in the media not more than a month ago about how excited everyone was that he would be joining, um, and uh, apparently he's not. And the, I mean, the the idea that this is somehow related to United's finances was kind of a throwaway comment, uh, a one-liner at the end of an interview, by the looks of it, uh, with with a chap from from the Serbian side, and one of the club officials saying, "Oh well, perhaps Manchester United are in a financial crisis, and that's why they don't want to buy him." But um, there was there was there was also a piece in in uh, one of the papers about the Glazers struggling to refinance their debt. Right, and they're, they're all kind of interlinked. So, yeah, this is the partisan Belgrade president who said uh, it, everyone knows it's United's financial crisis. Um, at the same time, uh, Leitch's uh, uh, agent um, said, well, actually, I think it's probably to do with the uh, work permit situation. Mike Phelan said, oh, absolutely nothing to do with our lack of money. Um, and then I, I spoke to Phil Townsend at, at United, who said, uh, no, it's just that uh, we simply couldn't take the risk on spending 10 million euros on somebody we couldn't guarantee to play because he probably won't get a work permit. And there's some nuances here because uh, apparently the deal with uh, Partizan, uh, it ran out in January. Uh, so that's when United's first first option ran out and they had to make a decision, buy or not buy, and they had to do it then. Uh, and the word uh, that they'd been given from the Home Office is that they wouldn't get um, the work permit and that the uh, exceptional talent uh, rule, which is how United brought Anderson to the club, had been abused and naming no names, he said. But uh, I believe from other clubs um, who uh, who have abused that exceptional talent rule and um, uh, you know the Home Office wants to take a much more stringent uh, look at these deals in the future. Um, and then there was, uh, you're right, there's a piece in the Times that basically said, um, and this is a slight rehash of other stuff, this is not new news, that the Glazers have been trying to refinance the uh, the part of the debt that's their responsibility rather than the club's responsibility, and this is the payment in kind loans. They're effectively borrowing from the market, from hedge funds. Um, and they attract an incredibly high interest rate, and that interest rate rolls up. You don't pay it off, and then you pay off this massive premium when the debt matures. And in this case, uh, it's now £175.5 million, pounds, um, and it's going to grow to something like 580 unless they can refinance it. Um, yeah, my goodness. And they'll need to pay it off. And it's not actually on the club, but the only asset they've really got to sell is the club. So they'd end up having to sell the club with this huge debt. And who would they possibly sell the club to? That's That would be my question. Well, I'm putting my pennies in the jar, but I don't think that <laughs> it's going to grow uh, to £580 million pounds by then. Um, I mean, when the Glazers bought United, it was pre-credit crunch, obviously, and they expected that they could, I don't know what, extend some sort of fairly infinite line of credit against the assets and their other assets. Uh, yeah, uh, effectively, that, that's what you do. Yeah, so the 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 pick the pick loan was a short term idea. I mean, it doesn't mature till twenty seventeen. But the idea is, you take this loan, uh, you buy your shares. It's a leveraged buyout, and then you go and refinance and uh, take a, a more normal line of credit when you expand your revenue. And the, the Glazers have done that first part quite well. They've got new uh, a load of new sponsors. 
they've obviously put ticket prices up uh, the revenue side of the business has grown quite strongly uh, the problem is that the finance side the market uh, you know post the credit crunch uh, there, there just is no uh, you know lines of credit out there and it's not like United's a bad bet um, they're within the parameters that are set uh, by the banks for the the main bulk of the loan which is a typical cash loan uh, and which is secured against the assets of the club then i.e shares player ground uh, training facilities and so on so i i kind of have a, a bit of a layman's question um which is how quickly could things go because i was thinking about liverpool actually and i was thinking liverpool are not that far away from complete collapse and i i, I kind of wonder how quickly could it go really properly, horribly wrong, the finances at United? Well, I believe the finances are based on a, an annual prediction. Um, so there, there needs to be some revenue growth. Um, there needs to be the revenue growth because at some point you need to pay down the capital, right? At the moment, they're, they've been rolling up a lot of the interest. Yeah. Uh, and the interest they will pay this, this financial year. Uh, I mean, presuming they release these... Uh, or release the figures again. They, they might not. They tend to get leaked. Um, we'll, we'll be in the order of sort of sixty million pounds. Um, so if you want to start paying down that debt, so you start paying less interest or get rid of the that capital, um, you have to increase revenues. Um, so how quickly could it go wrong? Uh, it, it's uh, it's basically about United not qualifying for the Champions League. Right. Um, so revenues from TV are guaranteed for at least another three years post this season because those are the deals that have been signed with Sky and so on. Um, yep. Most of United's deals are on the sponsorship front are long term as well. Obviously the, the new deal with Aeon kicks in next year. Um, ticket sales are still pretty strong and you'd expect them to be still pretty strong even if United dropped out of the top four which seems pretty unlikely anyway. Um, so yeah really it's uh, you can kind of see this uh, in worst case scenario a, a spiral of you know bad performances uh, leads to player losses or you know sales because the the Glazers need the revenue in order to pay down the debt. Uh, that's what everyone's saying might have been the case with Cristiano Ronaldo, given that the club really hasn't spent very much since his departure. Um, and then uh, obviously you start selling players or not buying players, and you fall behind. And worst case scenario, United drop out of the Champions League, lose. A whole host of revenue there and can't afford to pay back the debts and then you're looking at a Leeds case scenario and I don't think anyone's actually suggesting that United are close to that right now they are working within the par parameters that they're set by the banks I mean if they don't uh, the banks will end up on the board and uh, will get purely financial decisions and they'll be short term about how to pay down the club's debt they won't be looking long term about success on the pitch and they'll start selling players and assets it's it's a scary thought, but let's hope it doesn't doesn't come to that. Yeah, let's hope not. Otherwise, we might be playing David Gill on the pitch rather than Oliver Gill. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, little Ollie Gill, then. Um, Salford born and bred, am I right? Uh, yeah, the, the, the part of Surrey that is uh, called Little Salford. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he um, he came out with his dad. Obviously, his, his dad was uh, uh, initially finance director at United um, uh, before he took over as managing director in two thousand three. So they've they've been in the uh, the northwest for quite a long time now. So yes, he's he's effectively grown up in Manchester since the age of six, I believe. Um, so my my question is: um, Has there ever been a successful footballer called Oliver? 
There's Oliver Bierhoff, the German centre forward. Uh, no, Germans don't. That doesn't count. He's German and uh, English or uh, English-speaking country. Oliver's. No, he should probably be uh, doing a bit of egg chasing, really. But yeah, there you go. So and look, we wish him all the best. Uh, Absolutely, it'd be great. You imagine if he turns out to be like a, just an incredibly gifted footballer. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, it's he's a strange case because um, he he uh, he's done well uh, with his education. He's supposed to be reading economics, but he's uh, he's delayed his university um, education uh, to give it a shot of becoming a pro footballer. So this is effectively his first full season as a professional. Um, and he's had nine games for the reserves. So he's really not got a lot of experience, even for a junior. Um, and so there were a few questions flying around the internet. Well, why Oliver Gill rather than some of the others? Well, obviously there's a few players out on loan at the moment. Yeah. Um, and he's the next in order. And uh, yeah, Sir Alex does go in order of seniority when he when he goes to the youngsters. Uh, there's a, a couple of you know, really good-looking you know, 16 and 17 year olds at the club as well Sean McGinty were brought in from um, Charlton this summer but way too young and uh, Ollie Gill's next in line so yeah, he'll probably get a place on the bench tonight uh, What's the name of the lad that played for Watford last night? Tom Cleverley and yeah. he's he's also one of the reasons cited for not bringing uh, Adam Leitch into the club that um, Darren Gibson's progress and Tom Cleverley's progress at, at Watford uh, have been so stark this season that uh, perhaps we you know perhaps and they don't exactly play in the same position mind you, you know, Leitch has definitely been playing wide although many people feel that uh, you know a sort of central midfield attacking midfielder role is is his future uh, but Tom Cleverley's been excellent one Watford scored a great goal last night he scored some really important goals to the club um, and has generally been uh, lauded as their best player this this year it'd be good to be good to see him come back to United and succeed wouldn't it it certainly would so uh, another thing I know you want to talk about uh, Paul was the World Cup uh, draw which uh, quite a few United players will be at yeah um, the honest truth of the matter was I got really excited about international football which I know is wrong I was watching the World Cup draw I can't wait for the World Cup I think it's going to be fantastic I'm so excited that's in South Africa because that kind of absolutely genuine enthusiasm for having the World Cup in in their country which will be it will be on a different uh, scale to if it's in a European country um, and I just I just think it's going to be phenomenal I also think there's this thing in World Cups where you know if the host nation goes out early um, that can like negatively affect the tournament and that's obviously highly likely to happen this time but I don't think it's going to negatively affect the tournament so long as there are there is an African team in there because Pan-Africanism is a real genuine force you know when when an African team does well in 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 the World Cup it, it genuinely does engender support across Africa yeah, well, I'm I'm looking forward to it too. Not not only uh, it will um it will fill in the gap in the summer that we didn't have last year, but there'll be loads of United players. I mean, I was just looking through some of the draws. Uh, in uh, in Group A, we have France. Obviously, Patrice Evra will be there, and, uh, <laughs> and France's third choice left back. Anyone sensible's World Eleven's first choice left back. Yeah, he did actually play in the playoff, uh, so uh, maybe Dominic right. had a had a moment of clarity there. And uh, obviously, Uruguay's in the same group, and uh, Diego Forlan former United player there so well, um, what kind of studs will he be wearing that's the key question not the blades if he's got any sense um, and then in group B we've got Argentina and South Korea so obviously Carlos Tevez uh, should be going although he talked about retirement earlier this season but um, and Jisung Park who, uh, who Ferguson complained today always comes back with a knee injury from uh, South Korean games so there you go he'll get at least 
three games to get a knee injury at the World Cup. <laughs> oh, well, you say at least three games, and they've got a decent shot of getting out of that group, haven't they? They have got a decent shot. Nigeria and Argentina are probably the favourites, but hey. Now, Nigeria are not the fours they were, though. No, 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 but they qualified okay. Um, and so then in Group C, we've got uh, England, uh, Algeria, Slovenia, USA, and uh, obviously a few uh, English players in the United squad. Uh, we'd expect uh, Rooney to be there. Rio will be there if fit. Uh, Carrick and Brown will hope to go. Certainly not certainties. And Ben Foster's uh, chances that we talked about a little earlier probably blown now, but you never know. And, and if, the... um, if little Mikey Owen stays fit and scores a whole bunch of goals towards the end of this season, then it's going to be very hard for Capella to ignore him. Uh, but and ignore it... him, he will, and there's not a chance Owen's going to the World Cup. No, really? No, I don't th- I don't think so. Although, w- w- one player on the USA side, uh, Jonathan Spector, former United youth player, and played a few first-team games now at West Ham, and then Tim Howard will certainly go as well, the uh, former United keeper now at Everton, uh, and he's their number one these days. Talking of um, former United players in Group C teams, would you take David Beckham to the World Cup if you were Capello? Yeah, he'll he'll go because he offers something different. Although England are quite strong in that right-hand midfield, obviously Lennon's having a blinding season, Sean Wright, Phillips, uh, Bentley, he doesn't have a chance now, but Beckham will probably go and it might be expensive, right, Phillips. Um, just because he offers that uh, kind of controlled passing in the last third, the set-piece um, you know, delivery might be really important. And uh, Lineker was talking about Gary Lineker, who, by the way, I increasingly think is a fantastic footballing kind of pundit slash presenter. I just think he's getting better. But anyway, he, he was talking about the experience off the pitch being incredibly helpful in World Cup situations. And he should know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so Beckham obviously offers offers an incredible amount of World Cup experience kind of unparalleled is it is this anyone's fifth world cup i don't think so and it's beckham's fourth so right yeah i i look i'm sure he'll go um and then group d we have serbia uh, along with australia uh, germany and ghana and and obviously united have um a couple of interest in the serbian squad and nemanja vidic and zoran tosic will probably both go i have it on good authority that nemanja all comes from serbia or um, Group E, uh, I don't think there's any United involvement in this one. What about um, Mr. Edwin van der Sar? He, they're trying to persuade him to come out of retirement, but he's been fairly set on it. So we'll see uh, if they do. I mean, you know, the draw of one last World Cup is a pretty strong draw, isn't it? Especially if, um, especially if Edwin's thinking about calling it a day at the end of this year. He won't need to worry about his aching bones after the World Cup's finished. And uh, talking of um, calling your goalkeepers out of retirement, perhaps... Denmark could uh, call up one of their greatest ever sporting exports out of retirement and bring back Schmeichel. Uh, I think it's unlikely. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe Casper Schmeichel would make it. Although <laughs> he is now playing League Three football in Notts County. Uh, he yeah, took... he's really, really. I mean, I, I, I remember when he played a few games in the first team under Sven for Man City, and he looked all right. I thought a little bit shaky and a little bit rough around the edges, but he definitely had some of his dad's talent. I thought. Yeah, I, people talked about him as a future England international because he's been in the country so long. So um, he's now taken the money at Notts County. Um, if they're paying him, of course, apparently Sven isn't getting paid. Uh, Group F, I don't think there's any United involvement, although Giuseppe Rossi, of course, leads the line for Italy, who, uh, along with New Zealand, Paraguay and Slovakia, make up the rest of Group F. And uh, Rossi left United a couple of years ago now, has done really well for himself. Group G... Uh, Probably the group of death. I know it's an awful cliche in football. Oh no, no! As 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 uh, Cote d'Ivoire was pulled out of the hat, and then Portugal came out of the hat, and you just thought anyone but because I, I I 
I've adopted uh, Cote d'Ivoire as my second team for the for the World Cup, despite Didier Drogba's presence, because I just want to see an African team do well. Uh, I was disappointed that they got the Portuguese as a force in that, in that group. Yeah, well, and and of course there there'll be Nani and uh, who who may or may not still be a United player by then, and uh, of course the uh, some other guy, that Cristiano play. Ronaldo. Yes, him himself. Um, yeah, any chance of any of the United players in the Brazil squad? I'd, unlikely, Anderson will make it, um, and and the rest of our Brazilian contingent are too young. In the case of Rafael and Fabio, uh, and in the case of uh, Ricardo Possebon, uh, barely playing a game, and also declared allegiance for Italy. Uh, interestingly enough Um, so yeah it doesn't look like Anderson will be in the squad Um, and in the uh, World Cup Group H Chile, Honduras Spain and Switzerland and obviously uh, Gerard Piquet is the leading defender for Spain and Barcelona the former United player yeah it's going to be a good World Cup I think who's your, your pick to win the World Cup based on the draw well, I, I made my predictions uh, at the beginning of the season. I said Spain would win it. I think the, the standout side, Brazil, are actually quite a negative side. Um, uh, they so, are, but, I mean, jeepers, that's not necessarily going to be an ineffective way to take yourself through this World Cup with the no. kind of well-organised defensive, but enough about you to get some goals, and it's what England are going to hope works, isn't it? Uh, it certainly is, but, uh, yeah, I'll stick my you know pre-season prediction. I, I think Spain will win this World Cup. It, it's It's... The climate will be perfect for European sides. It's not going to be blazing hot or anything like that. Um, uh, if they get the pitches right, it, it will uh, lead to some really good football. Obviously, a lot of criticism about the pitches this week from Fabio Capello. Um, I, I think it'll be a fabulous World Cup, and I, I'm sticking with Spain. Um, I think England are a quarter-final side, and that's the, the best they can hope for. I think that France are going to win the World Cup, not because they're the best team by any stretch of the imagination, but because the whole thing is clearly rigged in their favour. Oh, Omri just nudges them through. Bit of a handball. Oh, let's do a completely random draw. Oh, France aren't seeded. Oh, well, well, let's just put them in a team with South Africa, who definitely shouldn't be seeded, and two distinctly average South and Central American sides. It's rigged, I tell you. <laughs> of course, uh, it's seeded for England to meet France in the quarterfinals. Um, so uh, before we go, um, you have a confession to make to our um, much appreciated listeners on the subject of uh, cast at unitedrun.co.uk. Yes, uh, obviously we read that email address out at the end of every show, hoping that um, Rantcast listeners would email in with their suggestions for stories and comments, and, and we, we thought you didn't love us. Uh, but uh, the mailbag was, uh, was pretty full when I found it all in the junk mail folder on my uh, now X web hosts. So please do email us at cast at unitedrant.co.uk and we'll definitely, definitely, definitely do email on next week's show. Yes, and um, yeah, have a have a good um, game tonight. About to kick off in about 45 minutes. Um, well, thanks. I appreciate you telling me to have a good game. I am playing it right back. Good, good. I'll, uh, I'll be alongside you. Remember to keep a high line. Okay, <laughs> I'll be there, ready to raise my arm as a Wolfsburg defender and legs it past me. Yeah, before their eighth of the game. Well, let's hope it's not like that, but uh, <laughs> see you next week. All right, bye.